this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Why did Jesus have to die? This is a question, the answer of which is going to change your life if you fully understand it. A lot of people think Jesus had to die to forgive them of their sins, to forgive them of their crimes, of their failures, of their shortcomings. But the reality is Jesus had to die in order for us to die with him to those very sins that we're trying to get rid of. We try our best to get rid of bad habits or bad attitudes or or quit talking a certain way or quit reacting a certain way. The fact of the matter is we have to die to those behaviors, those habits, those attitudes. And Jesus had to die in order for us to die with him to those things that we need to be set free from. So listen in today and find out all the details of why Jesus had to die. Uh, all surrounding uh, the it's Palm Sunday. Uh, we also call this coming week, starting today, the Passion Week or the Holy Week. It's all leading up from the time when Jesus walked into Jerusalem. And do you remember how they had palms? Have you heard this story? The people put clothes over the colt that he was going to be uh, riding on. They were spreading out their their uh, coats and tunics and everything on the on the pathway from the Mount of Olives down into into Jerusalem, and they were crying out Hosanna. Do you know what Hosanna means? We sang it today. Do you have any idea what Hosanna means? It means Lord, save me. <laughs> have you ever been in a pickle before? And you said, God, I need you to save me. Maybe you were sick. Maybe you were lost, spiritually speaking. And you cried out, God, I need you to save me. The Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I remember talking to an elderly man who didn't want to know anything about Jesus. And I said, sir, can I tell you just one more thing? And he said, sure. Tell me one more thing. I said, if you ever get to the place at the end of your life where you're desperate and you need to be saved, just say, Jesus, save me. And he looked at me and turned around. I hope that memory stays in his mind so that even if it's his last breath, he says, Jesus, save me. The Bible says you will be saved if you call on the name of Jesus. So they were waving. They were saying, Jesus, save me. And that's what the Passion Week is all about. Can you imagine Jesus was walking down that pathway? He could see Jerusalem. He was walking down that pathway, knowing that within just a few days, that very week, he would suffer brutal capital punishment by being crucified on the tree. He knew it. He'd already told his disciples. In fact, we're going to read it right now. All of this is going to be, be taken from Mark's perspective from the, the book of Mark, the, the person who we believe wrote the book of Mark, it's taken from his perspective, because we also have Matthew's perspective and Luke's, but we're going to be reading from Mark 10. You'll see most of it up here on the screen, but not everything, but I'm going to start here in Mark 10. Um, they were on their way to Jerusalem. Who's they? Jesus and all his followers, his 12 disciples and those that were following. And listen to this sentence that says, Jesus leading the way. His disciples were astonished, while those that followed him were afraid. And I want to stop there just for a second. When you follow Jesus, you're going to be astonished. If you're not astonished already, 
that because, might mean that you're not fully following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you are going to be shocked. You're going to be amazed. His followers, though, the people that weren't his disciples, the people that were following kind of from a distance, were afraid. And that's what happens when you follow Jesus from a distance. You struggle with worry. You struggle with panic attacks. You struggle with all kinds of phobias. Get closer to Jesus, and instead of being fearful, you'll be astonished. But they were astonished. He took the 12 aside, and he forewarned them. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the religious folks. And they will be condemned to die and will be handed over to the Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. But in three days, he will rise. The most unentertaining movie I ever watched in my life was a passion. Has, who, who all has not watched it or who all has watched it? Anybody? All right, several of you, you've watched it. It is not an entertaining movie. All right, it's gut-wrenching. And from what I understand, it doesn't even completely depict all the brutality that happened to Jesus. Well, this sermon is not going to be entertaining. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some, some sermons are, they're, they're like a piece of yummy cake and you eat it with some with some milk and, and you enjoy it, this is not one of those. We're talking about Jesus' death today, just to forewarn you, and what it meant and what it means to us today. And the question that we're going to ask today is, why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to die? And I'm going to answer in several different ways, but here's the first reason that I see that he had to die. Is he led an example for us. He gave us an example of what it means to lead ourselves to a selfish, a a, a death to our selfish selves. If Jesus hadn't died, we couldn't die. And believe me, we need to die. There's a selfish part of us. There's the addictive part of us. There's that that part of us that, that has mental struggles and mental battles and fear that overwhelms us. Don't you want that part of that, that part of you to die? Wouldn't you like that part of you to be gone once and for all? It can happen only because Jesus already died. He's leading you to your death of your selfish self so that you can live a new, free, and wonderful life. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died so that you would die. He didn't die just to forgive you of your sins. He died so that your sins would die and you wouldn't have to deal with your sins anymore. Amen. A lot of times we think, man, I want to get rid of this sin. I don't have to deal with it. But then when I feel like it, I might pick it back up again. That's not why Jesus died. Jesus died so that you would die to your sins once and for all and be free for the rest of your life. In Colossians 1.24, it says, now I rejoice. And this is the Apostle Paul, okay? He wrote a big part of the New Testament. And he says, now I rejoice in that I'm suffering for you, the church in Colossae. And I'm filled up in my flesh with what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. And I can't tell you how many times I've read the scripture and said, why did he say there was something lacking in Jesus' suffering? Was his cross, was his crucifixion not enough? I'll tell you what was missing on the cross is you and me. That's what's missing on the cross. What was lacking in Christ's afflictions? is me getting up on the cross with him and dying to my selfish self. Did Jesus die in vain? Are you willing to get up there on that cross 
and die to your old self, the self that needs to be done away with. That's why Jesus died. Let's move on to Mark 11 and find something else out this morning. Mark 11, verse 7. We're, skip, we're flying through this. We're obviously not able to read everything here. But Mark 11, 7 says, When they brought the colt to Jesus, he was going to ride on this colt down that pathway into Jerusalem. They threw their coats over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks out on the road, as I'd mentioned to you, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead of them and who followed shouted, Hosanna. Remember I told you that's please save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. Why did Jesus die? To help us understand that he's king and savior and we aren't. I like to say this, Jesus is the center of the universe. You aren't. I'm not. Jesus is the center of the universe. Why did Jesus have to die? (laughs) You know, a lot of times, I don't know if I would hate to ask you, are you Republican or are you Democrat? You talk about a way of splitting a church in half, that would be a good way of doing it. So please don't tell me what your political affiliation is. All right? But whatever the matter is, you look at the president that's in the White House And if you're a Democrat, you look at our current president, you think he's going to save us because he has authority, the power, the ability. Our former president is in the White House, you're Republican, you would say he's going to save us because he has the authority and the power to do so. Jesus has the power and the authority to destroy what's dominating your life. Therefore, he is Lord and Savior, and you can look to him And say, you know what, because you died, your death freed me from what's dominating me. I consider you Lord and Savior. I consider you Lord and Savior. I'll tell you what, stop looking up to people and putting people on a pedestal and start looking at God and saying he can do anything. He has the authority and the power to do anything. In fact, in John 10, 18, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. No, I lay down my life on my own accord. All those people that crucified him thought they had crucified him. Jesus laid down his life because he had the authority. And then he says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it back up again. And three days later, we'll find next Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And we're going to see these little ones being baptized. They're going to be baptized into death to themselves and raise back up to life, new life in Jesus. Have you ever heard that term, born again? I'll tell you what, we're born again. We have new life. It's not all about dying. It's about living the new life that Jesus has given you to be able to live. Well, let's read on in Mark 14. Why did Jesus have to die? In verse 3, while Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table of this guy named Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. Nard was an ingredient that made perfume very expensive. She broke the jar and poured the perfume all over Jesus' head. Now, some of those that were present there, those that were religious, (laughs) I had this guy, Kyle and I were playing basketball with this, this kid, and we started telling him, hey, do you want to come to our church? 
And uh, the kid looked at me and said, I'm not very religious. <laughs> I said, cool, we're not either. We're not religious. Please don't be a religious person. Please be a person that has relationship with Jesus. Religion kills. Religion, excuse me, relationship gives you life. Life everlasting. Jesus was not a religious figure. He was the son of God, man. Amen. So anyways, these religious people, they were indignant. Isn't that funny when somebody does something beautiful and good and pours their heart out, the religious people just start making fun of them. We're not here. We're not that way here. Thank goodness. Um, but it says, they said, why are you wasting this perfume? It could have been sold, and it's, a year, it's worth a year's wages, and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked this poor lady harshly. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have, but you all, won't always have me. And she, what she has done is she's poured this perfume on my body beforehand in preparation for my burial. Why did Jesus die? So that we would appreciate God and his love for us. Can you imagine if the God we served hadn't given his son to die on the cross? Would you appreciate God quite as much? Would you appreciate his love quite as much? No, I would say no. God, Jesus' death allows you to appreciate God because his death means salvation for you. It means hope for you. It means happiness for you. It means freedom for you. It means all of these good things. Jesus died so that you would appreciate him. There was a time <laughs> oh, not too long ago when I was going through a time, and I, I wasn't thankful for anything, and I noticed it in my, I wasn't grateful for anything. I was just kind of, uh, not happy generally. Good things were happening, but I noticed that I wasn't thankful. And I went to God in prayer, and I said, God, why am I not feeling grateful anymore? What's wrong with me? And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me it's because you think you did it. You made that good thing happen. You made this good thing happen. You made the other good thing happen. When in reality, Steve, God's still speaking to me, he said, I did that for you. I did that for you. We need to appreciate what God has done for us. We need to thank him. And his death allows us the opportunity to thank him and to, and to, be, uh, to appreciate him. Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him. And, they began, uh, and he began to, deep, to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. Stay here and keep watch. Have you ever been by yourself stressed out of your mind and you wish you just had somebody there beside you? That's how Jesus felt. Going a little far further, or farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. In other words, his death and crucifixion might pass from him. Abba, Father, in other words, God, my daddy, <laughs> He said, everything is possible with you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And Simon, he said, to, he said to Peter, you're asleep. Couldn't you keep a watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. Have you ever noticed that in yourself? You want to do the right thing, but you don't. 
Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that before? You want to avoid the wrong thing, but then you slip right back into it again. And this statement here expresses why that is. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Why did Jesus have to die? Jesus had to die <laughs> to give us life through the Holy Spirit and death to our selfish self. And I know it's a little bit redundant with what I've said, but after Easter, I'm going to start a series called The Other Side of the Cross. The Other Side of the Cross. Living on the other side of the cross. You see, we're always picturing this side of the cross with Jesus hanging on it. But you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to get to the other side of the cross and start living by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life overcoming and being victorious, not always being a victim, not being helpless, but winning in life instead of losing. Praise God. Why did Jesus have to die? So that you could live that powerful, victorious, overcoming life. We're going to talk more about that after Easter. In Romans 8, uh, 8 verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. When you live in your own strength, your own abilities, you're always looking to yourself to make things happen. You're living a life that's going to end. It's not going to last. A life of death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. There's a new place that you can live. You may have never experienced it before, but take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. You can live eternal life right here, right now. A life of victory, a life of overcoming a life of prosperity, of spiritual prosperity. Praise God. God has better things for you. Your tomorrow is better than it's been yesterday. Don't take your future and say, oh, my future has been, all, or my, my past has been so bad, that's how my future is going to be. No, your future needs to be different from your past. That's what Jesus does for us. And that's why he had to die, so that you could have new life in him. Let's read on in Mark 15, verse 16 now. Now we're getting into the ugly, ugly part. But the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together a whole company of big brutes, of big old soldiers. They were bored. They didn't want to live in Palestine. And they were ready to beat the daylights out of somebody. They were bloodthirsty. They put a purple robe on him. In other words, a robe an expensive garment to make fun of him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. Now, do you think they set it lightly on his head? No. I'm sure they took those thorns and they pushed that straight into his skull. Have you ever been pricked by a thorn before? Yeah? Can you imagine those big old thorns shoved into your, the crown of your head? They did that to Jesus. They set, that, set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. They were mocking him. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. And they paid homage, obviously false homage to him. I'm sure Jesus suffered multiple concussions that night from being beat on the head with a staff. We don't talk enough about this in church. Jesus suffered. He not only died, he suffered for us. And Brother Gartner, who had melanoma back in 2018 on his arm, I saw as he was in the hospital and noticed this big old patch of skin where they'd taken the melanoma. It metastasized, we found, and went into his lungs. He had a brain tumor. This is this individual that 
I mentioned his funerals uh, this week. I was talking to his son, and his son says, I just want him to go without suffering. <laughs> and don't we all? I mean, when it's my time to go, I don't want to suffer. I want to just, just take me in my sleep, right? Jesus wasn't just taken in his sleep. He suffered, and he died. He suffered, and then he died. Why did Jesus have to suffer? Wouldn't it have been easier for him just to die and pay, our, pay for our sins? Well, the reason why he suffered and died is because he took your suffering, your pain upon him so that you didn't have to suffer quite as much, so that you didn't have to be in quite as much pain. And there's been plenty of examples of people who have been healed by the power of God, their suffering and their pain taken off of them, and they were set free from their sickness and their infirmity. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, where the prophet Isaiah prophesies hundreds of years before about Jesus, and he says, Surely he took, upon, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I can't imagine a Christian or a Catholic church not believing that God still heal, still heals people today. I had this, I had a pinched nerve in my back for a year and a half. My foot was going numb. My leg wasn't working too well. I couldn't walk more than 15 minutes before I had to sit down and kind of adjust my back a little bit. I, I was, I wasn't suffering like some people suffer, but I was suffering. And I'll never forget the day when I kept praying, God, a year and a half. Have you ever waited a long time for one of your prayers to be answered? What should you do? Should you give up because it's taken a long time? No, you don't give up. He bore your suffering. He bore your pain. Don't you want to take the free gift that God's given you? Did Jesus die on the cross just so you can be sick the rest of your life? No, he's healed me multiple times, but I'll never forget. I was praying. I was actually out at the outlet mall on the west side walking in the mall, and the, just the Spirit just spoke to me and said, I've heard your prayers. And from that day forward, my, my nerves or foot, whatever, it got better and better until I was completely healed. God takes up your suffering. He takes up your pain. That's one of the benefits of being a disciple, of being a Christian. Praise God. So don't, don't not take advantage of this. Let me see how much time I got here. Let me tell you just one more really cool healing story. I heard this, literally heard it happen. This, this, um, he's a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher. He had like, he was in big church. He had 400 people, I believe, in his Sunday school class. And something had gone wrong with his voice. I can't remember what the story was. But one Sunday, he, he taught from the Bible that God heals. <laughs> there to his, his Baptist uh, Sunday school class. And as he spoke, his voice was healed. And I heard the recording. His voice was healed, and he was made completely well. It was real raspy, and he had a hard time talking. God healed that man. Amazing. God still, still heals today because Jesus died. Because Jesus died. Verse 21. Now, Mark doesn't tell all the gory details, so I'll fill in one little thing here. Jesus was whipped 39 times. And not just whipped, there was shards of glass or metal on each part of the, the whip that would pull the skin back. And uh, 
medically we understand that it was so so bad that you could have taken your fingers and pulled uh, Jesus's back and you could have seen his spine. I mean, it was, it was a brutal. So he could not carry the cross. And so a man was walking by. His name was Simon. And uh, the, the soldiers forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus up to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered him some mixed myrrh, probably to, to dull his senses a little bit, but he wouldn't take it. And they crucified him. We need to remember what crucifixion is. I told you this wasn't going to be entertaining. But we serve a God who gave his only son for us. And we need to remember what that was like. They crucified him most likely, um, nailing his, his wrists to that cross, nailing most likely his ankle or ankles or the upper part of his foot on an unforgiving surface. His back was just beyond anything you can imagine. Laid him down on that with his back. I can't imagine the, the pain. And then raised him up and not lowered that cross, but probably let it drop in the hole, taking him down. And, you know, crucifixion, the way you die is not from, not from bleeding to death, but from suffocation. He, he, he would have had to raise himself to be able to breathe. And Jesus was there for almost six hours. The Bible tells us that he was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. And at 3 o'clock, around 3 o'clock is when he actually died. He was crucified, and they divided up his clothes. So furthermore, he was unclothed, and they cast lots for his clothes. And I, I want to ask a question. This really struck me. I, I paused on this one as I was studying this. This is all my personal devotions, guys. I, I mention this all the time. I didn't prepare this. Oh, you guys need to hear this, right? No, this is for me. This is for me. I wanted to remember Jesus' sacrifice for me, but why did he have to be exposed like that? Why did he have to be exposed? And the reason, I believe, is because he wanted to expose our sin. He wanted to expose the wrongs. The only way you can get free from something is you open up and you say, that's wrong. <laughs> that's the only way to get free. You don't even have to go to church to believe that. You talk to a, a therapist. You talk to somebody who's working with addicts. They're going to tell you the same thing. You've got to come to grips. You've got to expose it. You've got to say, this is wrong. And as soon as you do that, you begin the freedom process out of your prison of wherever you're at is exposing. Jesus was exposed to expose the wrong that's in me, to expose the wrong that's in each one of us. And Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Ex come clean never forget this guy, this uh, guy that was with Teen Challenge, a uh, uh, rehab, uh, Christian faith-based rehab place uh, that was all over the country. He came to our church once, and this guy went on and on. I'm, I, you know, I used to drink. I used to take drugs. I used to be into pornography. He was just listing off all the stuff he had done wrong. And you could tell he was enjoying his freedom by just saying, here it is, here it is. This is who I am. This is what I've done. I want to be set free. But in John chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, everyone who does evil hates the light. Why? Notice what you do. Whenever you do something wrong, don't you try to always hide it because you say, I can fix this. I can, get, I can take care of this. But then you realize you can't. And so then you have to do what it says here. It says, but whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that what may be seen plainly 
Uh, man, I'm not reading this right. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Open up your heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and say, God, here I am. Look, see it all, and now I want you to start helping me fix myself. But in verse 25, it says it was 9 o'clock in the morning when they crucified him, and it was written, there was a written notice that hung over him that he was the king of the Jews. Obviously, they were uh, mocking him through that. He was crucified with two rebels, two criminals, one on the right side, one on his left. And this fulfilled the scripture that says he was counted among or with the transgressors. He was counted with the criminals. Now, I want you to think, whenever you read the paper, you read, well, I'm dating myself there. When you read the news, all right, and you see that there's somebody that's about to suffer capital punishment, you think to yourself, that guy or that gal must have done something really bad. And you think, what horrible crimes did they commit? Jesus was counted among the criminals. Why? Why was he counted among the criminals? Those who passed by him hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down now from the cross and save yourself. But why was Jesus crucified with criminals? It was to pay the price for our crimes. Jesus was crucified with criminals to pay for our crimes. I think at times we need to stop calling them sins because sin is like, uh, you know, you say it's sin, I say it's not sin. They were crimes against God and crimes against other people. That's what sin is. And that's why Jesus had to be crucified with criminals to bear the penalty of our crimes. People who say, I, you know, I've never hurt anybody. I've never done anything. No, you know what? Your complacency hurts people. <laughs> Your willingness to just sit back and let this country go to pot hurts people. And don't just be voting the right way. You need to be praying the right way for our country. So anybody who says, I've never hurt a soul, is full of it. We've all hurt somebody somewhere, somehow. And Jesus paid the penalty for our crimes. In the same way, the chief priests, these religious people, and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves he, saves, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I want to ask the question today, why did Jesus have to be separated from his father? Now, I imagine everybody in here has lost a loved one at some point. You've lost a loved one. And that separation is the most excruciating thing that you can think of. That separation. Can you imagine that same separation from God and thinking, I will never, ever be able to get close to God. I'll never have another opportunity to get close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be the most horrible feeling in the whole wide world? That's how Jesus felt. And he was separated from God so that you might never, ever be separated again from him. That's why Jesus was separated from the Father. Your sin, my sin, separates us from Jesus. But Jesus was separated from his Father so that, in Hebrews 13, God says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's never, ever going to leave us. 
The last thing that I want to mention just very quickly is in verse 37 and 38. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And look at this. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And I have a, a quick graphic I want to show you here. It might be too small to see. But this edifice was, at that time, was like a skyscraper. I mean, it dwarfed every building in Jerusalem, this temple. It was huge. I mean, you look up, and on top of it, it was on a mound in Jerusalem that was higher than everything else. So it, it was massive, probably about 10 stories high. And I want you to notice in the middle kind of a, a pattern there. That was, that was what was thought to be the height of that, um, of that curtain that separated the two parts of the temple. And the back would have been the most holy place where the priest went once a year on the great day of atonement and sacrificed for the whole nation of Israel for all their sins. On the other side, the front side here, was where the priest came in daily to, to offer sacrifices and, and do certain things. That, that veil, about three stories high, was ripped from top to bottom torn from top to bottom when Jesus died. And why was that? Well, it was telling us, you don't need any more priests. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a holy person. You can go to God yourself now because Jesus paid the price. He eliminated the obstacle between you and God, and you can go to God for yourself. You can read the Bible for yourself. You can have the Holy Spirit himself talk to you, and you should. You should. That veil was torn in two so that no longer any separation between us and God. That's why in Hebrews 4.16 it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You go to God and you get what you need every day of the week. Why did Jesus have to die? So that you could go to God for yourself. He's our high priest now. Praise God. Praise God. Let me end with this one statement here. Why did Jesus have to die? Not just so that your sins could be forgiven, but so that you could go with Jesus and die to your sins and be set free from them once and for all. God wants to help the addict be completely set free. God wants to help the person who's, they're struggling in their marriage. He wants to mend your marriage. If you have a child that's not serving God, he wants to save your child, your grandchild. If you're sick, God wants to heal you. If you're struggling in your mind and you might have a bipolar disorder, depressed or whatever, God wants to heal your mind and he can do it because Jesus paid the price. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I thank you, and we thank you, and I, I hope that all of you thank God right now. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for, this, for each one that's hearing this this morning. Thank you, God, for this world. You died for this world. They, they don't know you yet, but Lord, by your grace and with a little bit of our own effort, we're going to see to it that they know you, Jesus. They know you, Lord God. You have done way too much for us to sit back and not do anything. Lord Jesus, you've called us to reach for